So a couple of Christmases ago, um, my niece, Macy, uh, had a Rubik's Cube. And she had figured out how to do a Rubik's Cube um, in like under a minute. It was absolutely amazing. So she had this and she threw it over to me and she said, all right, Uncle Sean, mess it up. And so I did my best. You know, I messed the thing all up as much as I could. And like I even turned it over here so that she wouldn't see, you know, the pattern that I was doing. And then I threw it over to her and she's like, all right, start the timer. And so we started the timer and she just looked down and she did all of this like little magic to get that thing going. She threw it back to me and it was perfectly solved. I was like, well, that was just luck. Let's try it again. And so we did that like five or six times and I realized, wow, you are the luckiest person in the world. Um, That or she's really good at solving this Rubik's Cube. And so then Amber was like, you know what, I think I'm going to give that a try. And so she went home and we got a Rubik's Cube. And after a couple of weeks of playing around with it, she's like, huh, I got it. And she practiced a little bit more and she would give it to the girls and she'd be like, okay, mess it up. And she'd mess it up. And then they'd give it back to mommy and Amber would mess with it for a little bit and she'd solve it. And so I watched that and I'm thinking, all right, how hard can that be? I think I can do it. Throw that thing over here to me. And they messed it up and I was going. I'm like, wait, how do you get from here? Like, I need it here. Like, do these things pop off? Because I have no idea how you do this. And not even kidding, after a minute, I wanted to throw this stupid thing up against the wall. Now, how many of you are in the court that I'm in? Like, you try a Rubik's Cube and you're like, nope, I'm done. All right. That's how most of us are. Some of you are like, oh, that's fun. I can do that. And um, good for you. I don't want anything to to do with that. So I'm just going to put it right over there. Now, many of us, here's kind of the tie into what we're talking about today. Many of us approach the Bible in the same way. Like we hear people talking about it. We, We hear like what they're getting from it, what they're learning from it. We see how much it means to them and and all that they get from their time in it. And we think, wow, I want that. I want more of that in my life. And so we pick up a Bible and we commit that we're going to spend time in it. We're going to be in the word every single day. We're going to read it from cover to cover over the course of of a year. And, And not too long into it, As we're reading it, we begin to get confused, maybe even frustrated by it. And we may not want to like throw it up against a wall, but we bury it in our bookshelf or it gets lost in our nightstand or it gets buried in dust just kind of sitting on the table. Have you ever been there? Honest moment, because I have. I've been there. I've had times where the Bible is just incredibly confusing to me and incredibly frustrating. If you've ever been there, I want you to know you're in good company. In fact, a guy named Gilbert Hyatt once said, this is is kind of a comforting phrase to me, anyone who reads the Bible and isn't puzzled at least half the time doesn't have his mind on what he's doing. So if you've ever read through and you're like, I don't know what this means, like you're in good company. It's all right. I've been confused by the word. I've been frustrated by the word. I've been angered by the word. In fact, even in my my devotion time this morning, I read a a parable of Jesus that I know that I've read before. But after I got done reading, I'm like, I don't even know what this means. The word has 
has, has caught me off guard sometimes. There are times when I've read something and I thought, God, why did you have to put that in there? Because, because if I'm honest, it pushes up against my sensibilities. It pushes up against what, what I think maybe God should be like or what I think that God should do or how he should act. And sometimes it makes me uncomfortable. But I'll tell you, I've also been liberated by the word. I've been freed by the word. It's scripture that pointed me to salvation through Jesus. I've been challenged and shaped by the word. I, I pray that, that because of God's word, I'm a better husband, I'm a better father, I'm just a better person because of the work that the word has done in my life. And our desire to engage God's word, I think it comes from a good place. As, as we talk about walking like Jesus, the Bible plays a huge role in that. If we want to walk like Jesus walked, then spending time in God's word is important for a couple of different reasons for us. Number one, it's hard, maybe even impossible, to emulate someone that you know little to nothing about. Right? Like it's, a, it's, it's difficult, maybe even impossible, to emulate someone that you know little or nothing about. And so the Bible teaches us who God is. It teaches us what he's like. It, it keeps me from coming up with my own harebrained ideas that, that, that kind of form and shape a God that feels good and comfortable to me. That's called an idol. And the Bible speaks a lot against creating idols. The New Testament teaches us how Jesus lived, behaved, responded, reacted. It reveals his his heart and his habits that we can begin to adopt as we walk like Jesus. And so spending time in the Bible on your own is so important if you want to walk like Jesus because it shows us how Jesus lived, how he walked. And I say personal time in the word because it's one thing to hear secondhand who Jesus is, how he lived. It's another thing to really get into it yourself. Another reason it's important to spend time in God's word if we want to walk like Jesus is because the word of God was essential to the life and ministry of Jesus. And so if we're wanting to do what Jesus did, then, then part of that is getting into the word of God. It's, it's committing it to memory and hiding it into our hearts. It's, it's, it's allowing our lives to be shaped and formed by it. And so if walking like Jesus means adopting his heart and his habits, one of those habits is knowing and living the word of God. And throughout his life, we see that Jesus embodied the word of God. Jesus embodied the word of God. John 1, 1 and 14 says this, In the beginning was the word, speaking of Jesus, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word became flesh, verse 14, and made his dwelling among us. Jesus is God's word in flesh. He is God's way truth and life. He is the embodiment of who God created us to be. Like when God had his way and everything was perfect, the way that we see Jesus live is the way that God created and designed us to live before sin and brokenness entered into this world. Jesus is the embodiment of God's love and grace and truth for us. Second, we see Jesus taught the word of God. Even at a young age of just 12 years old, Jesus was in the temple. You may remember this account. Um, his parents went to Jerusalem. They were a couple of days in their journey back home, and they looked around. They're like, where's Jesus? 
And Joseph's pointing at Mary going, you lost him. And Mary's pointing at Joseph and going, no, you lost the son of God. This has nothing to do with me. And so they turn around, they head back. And you remember where they find Jesus? He was in the temple, sitting amongst the teachers, sitting amongst the rabbis. But he wasn't just absorbing. He was teaching. Jesus was teaching the teachers the word of God. And it says in Luke that everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. Jesus knew the word of God in a way that led to deeper, not just understanding, but, but deeper knowledge of how God wants us to live, deeper wisdom. He was able to make those connections to help others understand it too. Jesus taught the word of God. And then finally, Jesus invoked the word of God. And so following his baptism, Jesus was led into the wilderness where he was tempted after each temptation, Jesus, Jesus quotes scripture to fight against the enemy's lies. He quotes the truth of scripture to fight against the lies of Satan. So throughout the Gospels, we see that the word of God was essential to Jesus' life and ministry. And so as we learn to walk like Jesus, it's going to be essential for us to do that as well. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4. I'm going to be looking at verse 12 this morning. So many different passages that we could look at this morning. But I want to go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. And hey, Roger, I don't know if it would be possible. Um, the, the sloshing waves here of the baptismal, um, I don't want it to like make me have to go to the restroom. So if you don't mind turning that off, I would uh, appreciate that. <laughs> We roll a little bit differently here at Sherwood Oaks Bedford, if you haven't noticed that before. That's something you can't get away with at East. But we'll do that down here. Uh, uh, thanks, man. So the authors of the letters that eventually were compiled to become Scripture, they had a lot to say about Scripture and about its value, about its importance, um, its ability and its authority to, to change our lives, to shape us and to mold us. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all scripture is God-breathed, that God inspired it. It's communicated through several different people throughout centuries, but ultimately it was God's word to his people, through his people, and now to us. And he says not only is it God-breathed, but it's also useful for so many different things, teaching, correcting, rebuking, training in righteousness, so that we can be whole in our walk with Jesus, we can be complete. Psalm chapter 119, it's the longest chapter in all of the Bible. If you read through it, it is a beautiful anthem to the word of God and what it does in our lives. And what the Bible teaches really about itself is that these are not just words to be absorbed. They are really words that transform us. They are words to be lived by. Dwight L. Moody, a famous pastor in Chicago some hundred odd years ago, he said this, he said, the Bible was not given to increase our knowledge, the Bible was given to change our lives. It's not, it wasn't given to increase our knowledge, the Bible was given to us to transform and change our lives. It was given to show us how to walk like Jesus walked. I don't think a passage speaks more to this than the one that we want to look at today, Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 12, listen to what the author says. It says, For the word of God is living and active. 
sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitude of the heart. The word of God is alive and active. Let's break this verse down a little bit. First, the word of God, alive and active. What does that mean? If you have a a pen in your Bible open, maybe you have an electronic Bible that you use, I encourage you just highlight those or underline those two words, alive and active. Alive and active. It is living, meaning that they are, these are more than just mere words on a page. They come to life in our life. They give life to our lives. But they're also active. And, and the Greek word here for active, it's an interesting word, energos. It's where we get our word energy. It means that it is able to bring about, it is effective in its task. And so the author is saying is that the word of God is alive and full of energy. And because of that, it is effective in what it sets out to do. And so what is its task? The author goes on and says that scripture is able to cut through the exterior and get to our heart. He says it's able to penetrate even to dividing soul and Spirit, joints, and marrow, the Word of God has the ability to cut right into our heart and expose the areas that we hurt, to expose our longings and our desires, our fears, and even our sin. And then, like a skilled surgeon, the Word of God has the ability to go in and begin to repair those places that have been damaged by sin and brokenness in our lives. It begins to heal those places. It removes those troublesome spots in our lives as we become more and more in the image of Christ. It points us to Jesus as the only way for our salvation. The Word of God is living and active in all of these ways and more. It's a powerful book if we allow it to be in our life. And I say if we allow it because there's a certain amount of humility that we need to bring whenever we approach studying the Word of God. We have to approach the Word of God with a certain level of humility. Otherwise, there's nothing that we're going to get out of it. Several years ago, I coached a U19 soccer team um, down in, in Owensboro, Kentucky, and uh, it was a pretty competitive league, uh, and, and so I ran some pretty competitive practices. Uh, some, some of our drills really got, got kind of intense because I wanted them to be ready for, for game day. And uh, so we were doing a drill one night. It was a three-on-one drill, and so most of the team was down at, at midfield, and then uh, we had one defender and a goalie, and we would just send three people to take on that one midfielder and the goalie. And so one of the groups of three, I said, all right, go. And they went down the field. They made a couple of nice passes. They lost the defender in the process. And now it was just this young man with the ball. And the only thing stopping him from the goal um, was his girlfriend, um, who was our goalie. 
And so Kyle uh, was pretty revved up about that, as you can imagine. And, and, and his girlfriend just happened to be one of the best goalies that I had ever coached in my years of, of coaching soccer. And so she did exactly what she was supposed to do when it's this one-on-one breakaway. She came out of the goal to make herself bigger, make the goal smaller. And right as Kyle was gearing up to take that shot, she went down, slid like this, and her body and Kyle's foot collided and the ball went ricocheting off. And I was standing back at midfield and we heard this loud pop. And my assistant coach looked at me and said, that dude's girlfriend just broke his leg. I was like, no, no, no. That was just the sound of the ball popping off. Well, after a couple of moments, Kyle didn't get up. And then I started seeing everybody going over to Kyle. I'm like, oh no, maybe she did break his leg. And we got there and Kyle's pupils were dilated, and he had this look of panic on his face, and so we called the ambulance, and Kyle happened to be in my youth ministry, um, and so I called his parents, and like, hey, uh, you know how Kyle can typically walk? Um, <laughs> he can't do that right now. <laughs> you may want to come to the hospital. Everything's okay. I'm sure he'll be fine. And so uh, later on that night, Amber and I went to visit him in the hospital, and his x-rays were hanging up on the wall, and I wish that they hadn't, because I hadn't been able to get this image out of my mind. The, the, the two bones on his bottom leg here were like this. Like, I mean, it was just a clean break. There was nothing holding it together anymore. It makes me cringe still to this day thinking about it. And so Kyle had surgery the next day. They got it fixed, and after some time of rehab, he actually was, was playing again for me the following year. Now imagine... Imagine if Kyle had felt that pain, he had seen the x-ray, he knew that surgery was required, but instead of admitting that he had a broken leg that needed immediate attention, he just said, ah, it's merely a flesh wound. I can still get up and play. I'm probably not going to get very far. He probably wouldn't have been very effective. But instead, Kyle admitted that he had a wound that needed healing. He needed a surgeon's touch in a way that he wasn't able to provide. He knew that it was going to be a long, painful recovery, but living with a broken leg was going to be a whole lot more painful. And so in a sense, Kyle humbled himself and allowed the surgeon to do his job. And like, I'm telling you, that's the same type of humility that we need to have when we approach the word of God. Like Every single one of us have some kind of pain hurt, brokenness, some kind of sin that we just haven't been able to deal with. We haven't been able to come up on our own. We can continue to hobble through life trying to just ignore it, pretend it's not there, or think that we can get better on our own. But man, it's only through the word of God that there is the ability to cut through all of that and to heal that. It points us to the path of healing points us to a God who loves us, a God who cares for us, a God who binds together our broken heart, our wounds. And if we just come to this book thinking that we've got it all together, that there's no brokenness, there's no pain, there's nothing in my life that I can't figure out on my own, then I'm telling you, we're just just only going to find ink on pages when we open up the Bible. But if we approach it with grace and humility, acknowledge that, man, we don't have all the answers. We, we don't have it all together. 
And all of a sudden, the words in this book begin to speak to us. They become living and active. That's when they become alive and full of energy, and they have the power through God to change our lives. So how do we use this book to help us walk like Jesus? I think the most important thing that we can do is we have to engage with God's word. We have to engage with it. Throughout the centuries, God has chosen to reveal himself in multitude of ways. He has used visions and dreams. He has appeared to people through what are called theophanies, where basically he just kind of takes on some kind of form. People interact with God in that way. And God can still do any of these things that he chooses. God, we can't limit him. God can do whatever he wants. But yet God, for some reason, has chosen mainly to reveal himself to us through his word. It's through his word that God has revealed himself most to us. And and so we have to open it up and engage with it. Eugene Peterson once said, "What what good is a speaking God without listening human ears? What good is it that God has chosen to speak and reveal himself to us through his word if we we don't listen to it, if we don't open it up? So God has spoken to us through his word, but we have to open it up and engage with it if we want to to hear from him. But but many of us, we're intimidated by that because we don't even know where to begin. We get scared, like, what if I read something that I don't understand? I have a couple of suggestions. Number one is the YouVersion Bible app. I love that app. Tell everybody about that. It is such an incredible tool. You can download that. Many of you already have. Download that app. The Bible's with you wherever you go. But beyond just the Bible in your pocket, it is filled with devotions. It is filled with videos to help you understand it, what you're reading. There's Bible reading plans that you can hop on. You can friend people who can keep you accountable to it. It is an incredible tool. It's one of the best tools that that I've ever seen uh, to to dive into the Word of God. Another thing, not not all of us are readers, enjoy getting in and read it. The YouVersion Bible app also has the ability to to play so you can listen to it. You have this great voice that reads Bible, Scripture to you. And so a lot of times when I'm heading into the office or driving someplace, I'll just put that on and I'll listen to a chapter of two as I'm heading into work. So that's a tool that you can use, a way to use it, whether it be the analog version of the Bible, (laughs) the physical version or the digital. You can read just a section at a time. Many many people dive into this and they think, I've got got to read like four chapters a day or or more and try to, to just take it all in. But I just always encourage people, just read a section at a time. Inside Bible, whether you use digital or this one, there's, there's just little headings. If you're getting into it, just take a heading at a time. The thing is that you can read the Bible for information or you can read it for life transformation. And both are good. Both have their place. There are times when we should read through the Bible and gain information from it. But I think at the end of the day, We need to be looking for that transformation that God desires for us. And so if you're wondering where to start, where can I even start to take a section at a time, I just encourage you, turn to the Gospel of John. Fourth book of the New Testament tells the story of the life of Jesus. Just take it one section at a time and read through it, study it, 
Think about what it's saying. Get together with some friends. Do it as a group. Maybe find a devotion on it through the YouVersion app. Just read a little section at a time. You can pray through the Bible. This is a great way to go through the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is a song book. Just pray through the Psalms. As you pray, or as you read, pray about what you're reading and, and, and ask God to help you live it out. If it exposes a sin in your life, confess it through prayer. If it calls you to something that you're not currently doing, then pray for the courage to do it. Another way to engage God's word is to memorize it. The psalmist talks about hiding God's word in your heart. I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. And so if there is a sin that you struggle with, or if you find yourself at times just just wrapped up in worry or anxious about the future, memorize a passage of scripture that speaks to it. And then when you feel that temptation or when you feel that, that, that hurt or that pain in your, in your heart, then just recite that to yourself. Recite it to yourself. One of the passages that I memorized early on in my walk with Jesus and my struggle with, with anxiety is Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And so every time I feel that anxiety pushing down on my soul, I just pray that, that verse that I've hidden in my heart, do not be anxious about anything, but everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And just say that, say it and say it. Scripture washes over my heart. Memorize it. If you're a parent and you have a, child in our children's ministry. I don't know if you know this or not, but we make a couple of different tools available to you to engage with scripture with your family. Uh, we, we put out these parent cue sheets every, every month that have different ways uh, for you to engage with your child and what they're learning. And so it has the passage that they're learning, a little thought about it, and then it has some, some main takeaways for the month that you can sit around and, and you can engage in scripture with your child and as a family. And then on the back side of it, I love this. It's just some real practical ways uh, that you can do this. And so it has some ideas for things to do in the morning. As you're driving to school, ways to engage your child in conversation about what they're learning. At cuddle time, when you're putting them to bed, prayers to pray, scriptures to read. At bath time. There's even a Parent Q app that we have available. You can get some information about it if you don't have that. That just helps you bring scripture and the word of God to your children and into your family. The point is, whatever you do, however you do it, there is no right or wrong way to engage with God's word. You just do it. If you want to walk like Jesus, you've got to get into God's word. Several years ago, Willow Creek Community Church up in Chicago did a study about spiritual growth. And they found some pretty interesting things. They compiled their research into a, a, a book called Move. If you're into data and stats, um, it's going to be great reading. If you're not, then pick it up and it's good bedtime reading and you'll fall right asleep. But it's just filled with stats, filled with stats. But there's some really powerful takeaway from, from the 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 survey that they did of over a thousand churches, one of the most powerful ones was this. What they found in the course of all of their study is that nothing 
Nothing has a greater impact on spiritual growth than personal reflection on God's word. Absolutely nothing. If you want to grow in your faith, if you want to walk more like Jesus, nothing is going to have a greater impact on your spiritual growth and development than personal reflection on God's word. Through their survey, they found that a person could attend Bible study after Bible study. They could go on two mission trips a year. They could serve in a ministry at an event. They could do all of these things, good things, and look nothing more like Jesus than their neighbor who has never stepped foot into church in their life. They could have all of the appearances of someone walking like Jesus without ever actually walking like Jesus and growing in their faith. The only thing that consistently moved the meter in someone's spiritual growth and development was personal reflection and God's word. A recent study in Outreach Magazine proved this out. They found that after reading the Bible, 42% of us are more generous. After spending time in God's word, 42% of us are more generous, not just with our finances, but with our time, our gifts, our abilities. Spending time in God's word makes us more generous. After spending time in God's word, reading the Bible, 54% of us are more loving. (laughs) They serve more. They are less critical in their spirit and more grace-filled. If you find yourself just with a critical spirit all the time, complaining, being critical about anything and everything, I just encourage you to spend some time in God's word. And watch him file off that part from your life. They were more understanding and kind. They found that they stopped talking about people behind their backs and instead started talking to people, having difficult conversations that were productive. It says that after reading the Bible, 56% are more engaged with their faith. They're living it out. And they lead others towards knowing, loving, and following Jesus. And really what this study found is what we've been saying all morning, that spending time in God's word helps us walk like Jesus. And so I'm glad that you're here this morning. It's good. It's good that we're here together. We get so much in, in fellowship with other believers. If you're, if you're seeking, maybe you're not quite sure what you believe about this, this is a good place to be because you can learn together. We can worship together together. You can be encouraged by what others believe and it helps you in your own walk. All of that's good. But man, if you really want to begin to grow spiritually, to take your next steps of faith, if you really want to be more generous in your life, to be more loving and kind, to be more engaged with your faith, this is where it begins. This is the most important thing you can do. Get into God's word. He wants to speak to you shape you, mold you more and more into the image of Christ. you got to engage God's word. So that's my challenge to you this week. Our response is simple. Go and do it. It doesn't matter where you start. Just go and do it. So why don't you stand with me? I'll close this off with a word of prayer. And if you want to talk to anybody about your next step of faith, uh, maybe talk a little bit more about how you can engage in Scripture if you had any questions about anything that I said this morning. Um, again, my name's Sean. I would love to talk to you about that before we go. So let's pray.
Father, I'm grateful for this time and this place today where we could study your word and see its importance in our lives. Lord, not only is it important, but it is incredibly relevant. There is wisdom in this book that, that shows us how to live a life that's more fulfilled, how to live a life that stands up underneath trials and temptations that we go through, that, that helps us be better husbands and fathers and wives and mothers and friends, to be a stronger church, to engage our community more with the good news of Jesus, to bring your kingdom closer to people's lives here. Lord, there's also wisdom in your word that points us to salvation, that points us to Jesus. That's so important. Lord, I pray that we will not neglect, that I will not neglect your word, your voice in our lives, that we will engage in this and that you will shape us and mold us through it. Thank you again for this time that we had to worship, to study, to learn together, to come before you. We love you. And we pray that this week you'll give us one person that we were able to share your love with. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.